Welcome to the Regent's Park Open Air Theatre podcast. In this episode, we invited Edward Sackerson to talk to 101 Dalmatians music and lyrics composer Douglas Hodge about the development of his new musical score and inspiration behind the pieces. Stay tuned to find out more about this brand new musical adaptation set in Regent's Park this summer. Now, let's hand over to Douglas for our latest episode. Choke chain that's keeping you there. Elbow your way to a world elsewhere. We can't waste this beautiful, even if it's raining. Beautiful, warrior is complaining. Beautiful, it's just worrying. Kick down the door. Am I ever gonna find the one that I've been waiting for? Regent's Park, the Queen's Own Park, the Royal Park Serene. Get out of the grey, it is blue and not the semi green and breathe. Douglas, um, it's been um, quite serendipitous in a way that that you appeared in the very first musical ever to be commissioned specifically for Regent's Park Open That's Air Theatre back in 1983, um, something called Bashville. Yes, right? yes. And here you are as composer-lyricist on only the second musical that they've ever commissioned. Yes, it's quite remarkable, I think. It's <laughs> funny how life works, well, we always say that, but... Yes, because really, I think I'd never been in a musical. Bashful was, I was 23 years old. I think it was my third job out of RADA. And, uh, and I was given the eponymous role. And I had no idea how to, uh, to do anything. But it was a big success. And they went on the following year uh, and, and did it again. So yes, it was the only... It was a, it was a George Bernard Shaw play about boxing that Dennis really? King and Benny Green set to music. And I, the thing I remember most is going to, um, what, you know, Abbey Road mm. to record the vinyl album of the... Um, yeah. I don't, I don't know the... I didn't see it, uh, <laughs> I'll be honest. I see most things, but I didn't see that. No. Um, and it was up for uh, an Olivier as well. Yes, but it Blood was, Brothers yeah. took it that year, I think. Well, yeah, Blood Brothers. Uh, go figure. Piece, I mean, it's... Yeah. <laughs> um, so... I mean, the wonder is, in a way, that 101 Dalmatians has never been done before as a musical because, um, you know, certainly for Regent's Park, it's the location for the piece, for Dodie Smith's book anyway. But, um, I mean, it's been a long time that there have been so many adaptations, but I thought someone would have got to it as a musical Well, it before. has, actually. There was one other version. Well, I think there's been a several... I mean, the interesting story about that is that Dodie Smith, rather incredibly, uh, indomitably, wouldn't give to Disney the stage rights. Ah. And Disney, of course, are used to hoovering up all rights to your entire yeah. life uh, and couldn't get the stage rights from her. And then made the live-action versions, of which they made enormous amounts of money, but she would never relinquish the stage rights. And I think there have been some other versions since then... Um, I've been looking through your rehearsal script and, and listening to your own demos, um, some of which will feature exclusively in this podcast to give people a flavour of you. Um, uh, but what impressed me really was your book writer, Johnny McKnight, and your good self, um, how you've managed to bring it into the here and now with key issues like animal welfare and the fur trade and being referenced and of course the fact that Cruella de Vil just 
has to be an influencer, doesn't she? I mean, that that's the social media thing aspect of it. Yes, it's been a, I mean, I have to say, we, we need to mention Zinni Harris there too. Also, my um, big thing was that it must be a family show, that we can't have a political piece that's sort of banging on its drum about whatever it is. It has to be that eight-year-olds learn the songs and then maybe even get given a tail and come up on stage at the end and become their own puppies and we'll have them all, you know, it doesn't matter. Well, that's a fine line to tread, trying to create a sophisticated exactly, piece that adults yeah. will appreciate and kids. Yeah, which is always yeah. your aim, but yeah. I think Johnny's brought this sort of... Uh, overall sort of wholesome hilarity to it i mean there's a wonderful verbal dexterity to your to your writing and you. um um you know an actor's way with words i think at the rhythm of the words it gives the piece great energy but also i just wondered whether it's the words that dictate the music to you or how do you write yeah i think probably it is lyric led um i mean my the things I've learnt being an actor in musicals is that you have to start a song somewhere and finish somewhere else. And that each song does have a plot mm. in a musical, not, you know, in the charts, but that you'd have to begin somewhere and you have to be mm. changed by the end of it. Mm. Now, of course, if you're writing a big family piece that you want children to listen to, too, there are times when that can be really very simple knick-knack paddywhack lyrics kind of thing, you know. Um, but that that has to happen and there has to be story and narrative in the song which means I think that they tend to be lyric led I also want it to be funny and I think they need a little bit of time after they've landed to be mm. understood to be laughed at and then you move on and so you have to sort of place things in that way so that definitely has influenced perhaps you know the melodic structure I suppose certainly the rhythmic structure um, but I suppose also in certain positions in the musical, I've always had ideas about what I feel the feel of the song would be. Mm. You know, whether it would be some big ballad or whether it would be a patter song or whether it would be a huge rock song or whatever it is, that that moment would... So those two things have had to marry. And sometimes I have had, I suppose, themes in my head. But generally, I all the songs I've ever written, I've started with a premise, really. So I'll have a sort of premise in my mind, like, you know, the moon is only three days away. Say, that's a premise, right? Mm -hmm. And then you think, that's a kind of lovely idea, you know? And it could mean I can fall in love quickly. It could mean <laughs> I can do whatever I want. It could mean, you know, it could mean any amount mm -hmm. of things. And I know that the moon is only three days away has a certain melodic yeah. idea inside it. And I can tell already what speed that song is and what... And that, from that, I suppose, I would then work on the music and then the other lyrics hopefully fall into place. And, of course, where you, in musicals, where you place the songs is yeah. so critical. In a book song musical, um, it doesn't arise if it's through composed, which is why I kind of prefer the book song format. Um, you know, Steve Sondheim always wanted to work with a book writer because he liked the collaborative aspect of mm -hmm. it. Um, is, uh, do you feel that way or could you work the other way, do you think, as well? I've never, I mean, obviously, I've, only, I've written three musicals in my life and this is the first that's, uh, you know, about to be performed to the public. The others have all been endless development. Mm -hmm. um, so the other two I've written before this. So I have sort of spent years uh, doing workshops and working on those musicals and they've yet to see the light of day. I mean, 
that's sort of the nature of musicals. It can take 10 years for them yeah. to happen. I mean, do you enjoy the process? Um, it sounds like it comes very easily to oh, you. Oh, completely, I enjoy the process. I did, when I first, sort of answering your question, I, when I first thought about the first musical that I wrote, I, I literally, in my shed, you know, I put up every musical... And then I had columns, really, of the orders of the songs. And it became very, very clear to me that each song had a function and a job to do. And each song, and incredibly, they fell into, you know, the, you could say, okay, song one is always establishing the community of the ensemble. Song two is generally the needs or the wants of the main protagonist. Song three is often a comic uh, second character relief thing, song for the ensemble come back. Mm -hmm. And you would find if you looked at Company, if you looked at, uh, you know, Oh What a Lovely War, if you looked at uh, West Side Story, a huge broad cabaret, a, you know, that Oliver, these things do fall into a sort of pattern. Mm. So I suppose I sort of at home studied that and felt that there's a a real scientific structure to the way that a piece should work. Um, and I felt, you know, there's a real beautiful science to reprises that if a father sings this song, it's lovely. If the puppy sings that, has yeah. osmotically had that melody in its head. And I think probably what has happened is we've developed the story and developed who it's for exactly. That's occasionally thrown me <laughs> incredible, mm. yeah. uh, you know, oh, I see, well, that doesn't fit with my lovely structure. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. suddenly we're going, you want to go back to the park and all have all the dogs in, and that's, <laughs> that, you know, I'm just about to write my little love song. <laughs> and so that has changed and um, and is still evolving. I mean, we're in the middle of, we're in week two of rehearsals, right, so week right. three starting on Monday. So that's yeah. literally evolving as we speak. Yeah, yeah. Um, there's an old showbiz maxim that warns against working with animals and children. I'm sure they'll add puppets at some point yes, to this. Sure um, without giving too many spoilers, because I want to talk about one or two specific numbers that have caught my ear um, in the show and how you arrived at them. But without giving too much away, you and Tim Sheeter have obviously devised a way of presenting this piece on stage. Um, um, I mean, you weren't auditioning singing dogs, for example. So, um, how's it how's it going to work with, or, or would you rather not say at this? No, point? I mean, I think Tim's feeling was, I'd love to do 101 Dalmatians. It's just the most marvelous title, wonderful for Regent's Park because it's set in Regent's Park. But until I know how to do the dogs, yeah, you know, you can't even begin to commission something. Yeah, and so the dogs are puppets. Right. And uh, as there's more and more of an understanding of puppetry in theatre, with the life of Pi, with Warhorse, with you know that it's. Um, and I went to a workshop. Nearly all the workshops really were simply about achieving the dogs, so that you just your heart breaks as soon as they come on. The hard thing is that it's at Regent's Park Open Air Theatre, where there's no darkness mm. and no lighting. Mm. Not in the matinees, anyway, and not in the first half. So, <laughs> unusually for puppets, we don't have... Um, so that, again, dictated... I think that we would have perhaps made, made a few dis different decisions if we knew we'd be indoors and in the dark. But the idea that the puppets, and you see how they work, and that they're sort of created in front of you, um, once that was solved, then we were sort of hell for leather. Yeah. And I was just... I'm, I don't really care. I'm just writing songs for... 
this is the dad dog and this is the mum dog and this is the run to the litter and this is the human and this is the dog and you know mm-hmm. this is Cruella so I was I was just writing for the mm-hmm. characters mm-hmm. after that it's there's the the birthing scene and the subsequent song Litterbugs um, uh, starts out as a lullaby very strangely touching but I think that 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 scene is something that young and old will really relate to as the puppies arrive yeah hopefully I mean the sequence the sequence is that there are 15 puppies born throughout the sort of first song turn which will turn around three times then they're absolutely exhausted very proud of themselves everyone collapses I mean there's elements of panto there's elements of you know you just want children to be able to sing a very quick and difficult song so there was that's how that came about but then we had the idea that each verse as it gets faster and faster the puppets grow so you know the dogs grow so uh-huh. that the, first the puppies are spotless and just tiny little socks or whatever they are and then the next one they've got their spots and then the next one we see uh, how they're fully formed great, and so yeah you know so with each verse it gets faster and faster and, and life gets more chaotic you know that um they're everywhere now and running around they're not just snoring and farting they're you know chewing the furniture and there's complete chaos so that's and I suppose I always knew that the song uh, there's so much going on on stage that the song has to be repetitive and simple love the idea that we're constantly switching between um, what the dogs are thinking and saying and what the humans are thinking and saying and that's you can have a lot of fun with that yeah and you do um, from what I've seen Um, there's another scene where Cruella offers the money the 15 grand to the the husband and um, I think it's a really clever number heads or tails where you know the human element of being tempted by that money. Um, I can't remember in the original cartoon whether the, he was ever tempted by the money um, or whether that's something you guys have devised. No, I, honestly, I haven't seen the cartoon for five years. I, I don't think it even comes up. No. I, I mean, the truth is, I suppose I said, I think you'd get 
at least a grand a puppy. I mean, you would. Yeah. I mean, if I, if you and I had 50, a dog who had 15 puppies and they were Dalmatians, yeah. probably £2,000 per, and it would solve a lot of their problems. So it is a real dilemma because yeah. I think yeah. it's not in the book. No, but I mean, but when it's, it's, Cruella goes, I'll give you 15000 for yeah. them, you think, well, who would say no to that? Exactly, and people will relate to that. It's yeah. a very human, um, you know, that, that kind of maybe this, maybe that, you know, that kind of his mind is flipping. All the way through the song. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's and, uh, and we've sort of been developing that all week. So now the ensemble have much more of a sort of, you know, two devils on his shoulders, sort of saying, "Take the money, take the money." And I was <laughs> yeah, going, "You right. can't sell these puppies," you know. So <laughs> he's just in. Yeah, it's a very sort of um, Faustian, yeah. Uh, yeah, number. That's a lot of money. That's a lot of money. Daddy, old darling, go on a spree. You deserve a pampering. What's it to be? No, wait just a minute now. That's not me. That's not her either. Truth be told, Daddy and I rejected the fifth, the fifth, the fifth, fifteen thousand dollar toll. Honestly, love, would you really be happier with fifteen puppies? Ah, when you could have more possessions, a Dyson, a bicycle, even a car. Of course you wouldn't. You're the kind of person who knows who they are. Every pup to a hunger king. Me and Dan more time alone. Ring a ding. Work our fingers to the bone. Ding ding. Do we want bubbles or do we want bling? His heads are do, tails are don't. Fifteen tails says I won't go through with this. There's one of you pooed in this. School me. Tell what's to be done. Listen to your heart and you will know. But all Have you got musical heroes, Douglas? Um, that that you know have played into your love of music and your desire to write it. Well, I suppose I have. I mean, all you know. I suppose I, yeah. I mean, many, 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 from Paul Simon to Jerry Herman. I mean, you know, all sorts of uh, different Bach. I mean, I mean, incredible different uh, genres, really, and all mm. through my life at different different phases. Um, yeah. Mm. I don't have a specific... No. I mean, I keep learning about more and more people, I think. Mm. Mm. Cruella. I mean, she's iconic, of course, and, uh, you know, the mother of all chewing scenery yes, villains. Yes, yes. Um, and there are even <laughs> books of quotes of Cruella around. You know, she's, she's on the internet as, you know, Cruella lines. Um, and... Obviously, she was going to get a big number and a kind of aria. And I think almost the wittiest thing in this was this number, Für Fur, um, yeah. uh, referring to the German of for fur. Um, I had such a, a great idea. And uh, I just you. hope people get it. You yeah, know? I don't suppose they will. But there's, a, I think, a thousand things, well, a hundred things in the musical that are hidden that perhaps... Um, yeah, you might get on second hearing or something. Yeah, yeah. Well, they've been told about it here. So yes, true. Here we go. They've been told That's about the umlaut. <laughs> so I mean, um, you've got the wonderful uh, Kate Fleetwood playing yeah. Cruella. I love Kate Fleetwood, and uh, um, so tell us about that number because that's the kind of the big. Is it the Act One finale? Or yeah, it is. Yeah, I suppose initially uh, when we first started writing, I assumed I think that something with her backstory in 
how she'd been left in the dog basket if she behaved badly, yeah. how her father always thought she was cold. Um, and it was very operatic. Well, not exactly that. I can't remember. It was like had that sort of rhythm. Um, and uh, and then Tim, you know, these are the way the producers work. There's, it's very an exact language. Uh, so that the producers, I think, were like, we need something a bit more, you know, defying gravity you know what I mean that's mm -hmm. how they like we need something a bit more Ed Sheeran and you mm -hmm. think yeah. that's really not helpful no. <laughs> you know, we need like her character in some anyway so I think there was a feeling that she was getting more and more modern uh, as as the writers evolved her and I'd started then to explore the idea that she was in the world of Cardi B uh, I don't know if you know Cardi B but mm. Cardi B has a whole musical world that is you know fascinating um so i started to write and listen extensively to all that kind of music and those it's, they're incredibly lyric based mm. um so if someone bites you you better bite them back and things like that were around that world and so it did sort of modernize um and then i just thought right i need i need to write something where she expresses uh, you know, maybe snaps a puppy in the middle of it or something, um, which I think isn't going to happen no. because there'd only be a hundred puppies then. Uh, but you know, it had that very sort of upset children. <laughs> yes, yes, exactly. <laughs> Doors, the end of the show, not the end of the first half. Yeah. Um, but it had that sort of energy, I think. So uh, yes, and then I yeah, I ended up with fur, um, which Kate absolutely nails, and is uh, very moving to hear the read through. We had a read through on. Thursday, and now we have a sort of Carmina Burana ensemble underneath the oh. whole thing, you know, which is great fun. Yeah, and all these things are sort of quotes to it to a degree because it is 101 Dalmatians with Cruella, yeah. and as you say, yeah. scenery chewing. Yeah, so, um, yeah, there's a sort of fantastic, <laughs> you know, it couldn't be it can't get too big, really. Yeah, yeah, oh, yes, there it is again, my only constant friend. The end. Life, something that quite naturally, just by being me, I inside I'm not fit for purpose when it comes to loving. Not right, it seems, for someone else to hold. I got all I need right here in my own. Um, uh, 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 
you know, what stage are we at now, and uh, how is it going to be scored? I'm, I'm, I'm curious to know what size the band will be. It's a band of eleven. Eleven. Um, that's pretty, pretty big likely, nowadays, yeah. isn't it? Well, it's a cast of about thirty. Yeah. Um, it is a big band. I think. Well, you know, the whole thing about it being outdoors and a seeing them band and. Um, and how do you do the puppets led me to, I think, what Tim was, what I understood Tim was leading towards was more of a sort of poor theatre version. It's uh, everything, you know, the car is suddenly constructed and then mm. so she's analyzing, you know, the, she can grow in size and things like that. The puppets uh, can be incredible, you know. And um, so I felt there was um, almost a sort of skiffle feel mm. and a sort mm. of homespun uh, you know, on using the saw and using not banjos, but you know, clarinets and and those sort of kind of earthier instruments. Yeah, so yeah. that there was a sort of klezmer kind of feel that's very very yeah. homespun, not folk, but um, and then still having bits of madness in it and bits of modern. You know, like I said, Cardi B, but nothing truly electronic mm. uh, and very sort of earthbound and organic. And um, Sarah Travis is orchestrating it. And Sarah and I, she sort of started and was like, well, obviously, there's a whole obvious kind of, you know, clarinets do this, you know, thing, you know, flutes do this sort of way of doing it. And I asked, we went to a studio for three days. And uh, with a drummer, I was on piano. Sarah, in the end, I just sort of stood back. Sarah played piano, had drummer, guitar, bass, and piano. Mm -hmm. and, and we played and I sang maybe five songs and each time I was going as if it were it was as if I'd formed a band mm. and said okay let's this is a song I've written how we, this is what's in my mind and then they would sort of and I'd say okay so hearing that we need to double up the drums we need to you mm -hmm. know we're not it isn't that so it sort of moved away from musical theater a bit mm. and into I, something I got I got a lot of this from even listening to your oh, demos great, great. Um, and I I think it's such a refreshing change. Everything is synth now. Everything is yeah. electronic. Everything is high tech. And I think that kind of homespun feel. Yeah, I mean, it feels right for the open air too. I mean, I I think one of the great villains that I'm learning in, in musical theatre is Sibelius, you know, because mm. it corrects grace notes. It corrects um, sort of eccentricity. It, it, it measures things that you don't want to be measured. And, now, and often I feel, you know, when I listen to the radio, I listen to these incredibly complex songs, Kendrick Lamar or whatever, and then I listen to musical theatre and think, gosh, this is so simple. How is this all... Do they not know that this music exists, you know, and that we're all listening to it? Mm -hmm. And there are these two sort of worlds. And I think sometimes that whole Sibelius process uh, of, of, you know how you annotate music and how you put things down does, you know, take some of that kind of um, improvisational, more jazz yeah, feel out it. of it. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, and therefore it has a certain feel to it. Yeah. And of course you need to do that because you're playing someone singing and you're conducting and mm. it has to be regulated. But there is a sort of edge and a roughness that hopefully you can bring to something that just gives it... I don't know, a bit more of an organic feel. So it feels hands-on. Yeah. I, I, yeah. Um, I mean, I'm curious to know what your... Uh, I asked you about your influences, but, I mean, in musical theatre, have you got 
heroes? Have you got shows that you love particularly? Other yeah. than the ones you've done, obviously. Well, I do, I suppose. And I also... Yes, I think... I mean, I like, you know, the more populist... I suppose I've started with Oliver. Mm. Oliver and Godspell were the two, mm. I think, the first things I ever saw as a as a human yeah. in in the in the theatre. And I remember going down on stage in the interval of Godspell and seeing David Essex and thinking, this is incredible. And more or less everything I've directed since then, without almost subliminally, I've tried to invite the audience with a glass of wine or something at some point. And there is an element of that in this, definitely, that I would love every child in the audience to get on stage by the end of it and have a puppy tail and be one of the Dalmatians oh, and join right. in. And who knows when the show You may finishes. not be able to stop them. That's going to happen, I, I think. would love yeah. that to be yeah. the case, yeah. you know. Um, and I think Oliver is an astonishing uh, musical. Isn't and it, a, An astonishing film of a musical, too. Mm. Um, so, and I've always loved Fagin and all that kind of the cleverness of that. You kind of feel Dickens would have liked it, you know. It's that right, kind of, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. But again, it's got that very, very earthy, homespun quality yes, about it. Yeah, exactly. I mean, Bart was just a natural, and uh, yeah. Um, so, uh, of the other projects uh, lined up, is there anything that you are that's developed to the point where you could actually? Yeah, they. It? Well, I suppose COVID has sort of put a blight on most things. Um, the first musical really is called. Uh, meantime and I was associate director at the Donmar for a while and one of my briefs was to sort of develop new works and we were working around Chekhov at the time and I I said I'd love to write a song for each character just a little folk song for how they and that developed and then uh, we had a workshop with these incredible actors which of course at the Donmar you can get the most extraordinary people mm. And then Ashton Ditter came in, who was a sort of sketch and play and film writer, hadn't written much theatre, and had this fantastic sort of, immediately set it in an airport, immediately updated it. And that has grown and grown. And we did a workshop at the Many A Chocolate Factory. And then uh, there was talk about doing it at the other palace and all these things now, because when COVID came in, we've just sort of been put on hold. But I would... It's a very different piece and very modern and very a techno actually because of the airport sort of thing. So it's a very different feel. Mm -hmm. um, but it's well, it's, that's a good thing as well. There's so yes. much generic around, and yeah. I love it when people, you know, choose a musical language which which fits like a glove. The world, into the, yeah. I think the world, well, that, that, I mean, that, in this world, that's dictating. A family show that children have got to love is dictating the music, and the carrot and Cruella is dictating the size of the songs, no doubt about it. And um, the children, you know, children are playing the puppies. So um, these tiny voices, I just weep every time they sing my songs. <laughs> you know, it's, it's it's just extraordinary. It's very, very the, in the meantime, musical is very adult and um, a love story and uh, very tough. So there's that, and the other one is a, a, mu a musical called Wigmaker, which um, had another genesis, completely different, where I was making a short film. I was, I'd, I'd made a, I'd directed Bryony Lavery's play last Easter about a woman dying from cancer, and we interviewed a wig maker for the NHS whose life was just bitter, and uh, all these people God. with such illness and coming in and she didn't have resources and I, I was writing a short film 
about her. And then it sort of occurred to me that it would be rather incredible to write a sort of chorus line version of the people who came into her chair. Mm. So we did some verbatim interviews with people, Ooh. some who were dying of cancer, some who were just vain, some who were superstars who needed something. And I wrote a sort of, you know, and then it, it just didn't seem like the kind of thing I would ever want to go and watch. It just <laughs> seemed so bleak and yes, so awful. Yes, I just... And I was, and uh, Neil Marcus, who had at that time oh, yeah, a company no, called The Star Stable, he'd commissioned it. Yeah. He'd heard Meantime and commissioned that. And I sort of said, I just don't think this is too bleak. And then I married a wig maker. Um, an entirely different, uh, the, the project was already sort of in the, in my mind, but not, at, and then she, her life was totally different, and in her workshop there are hundreds of heads, uh, all staring at her, and I just thought, well if you shut that door and all those heads came to life, it would be delicious. So it turned into, actually, a sort of puppet, um, fairy tale, hairy mm. tale, mm. and um, mm. I've written this huge sort of thing, elaborate, Thing. It's set in New York, and it's really a sort of, uh, you know, um, all about her, really. It's a peon to her at marvellous dexterity with making these mm. extraordinary characters. Mm. And it's become much more like 101, in a way. It's much more... And that was um, collected and scooped up and supported by James Dacre at Northampton. And then again, COVID and money and development and that sort of hanging in the air. And then I'm, and now I'm doing this, but mm. I, I, it was a gala that uh, we had for the wig maker where I first, we played about five songs. I think that Tim and the management at Regis Park and Runaway came to see and then ah. approached me and went, how about 101 Dalmatians? Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. I'm doing actually the last one I was commissioned to make, but hopefully those other two, yeah. I'd love them to see the light of day. Yeah, fantastic. Are you a dog lover? Oh, yes, yeah. 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 I was going to say, will you still be a dog lover at the end? Oh, of the yes, show? yeah, yeah. Maybe I'll be a puppet lover. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Oh, that's great. Thanks a lot, Douglas. That's terrific. Good. Thank yeah. you very much. to expand life it's a tortoise life gets bigger life's an elastic band if you're feeding the 5,000 there's plenty room for more how do you get two whales in a minute straight down the old m4 because one and an extra the mother maria who you're standing next to there's no barrier part of the pleasure two's company three's a crowd but four's a fiesta you Give someone a brand new purse Don't have it over empty Put a little extra penny They'll have lack of plenty If you lay the table And there's 13 places there Add one more Make sure the invisible man Has a chair One at an extra The monomaria Who you standing next to There's no barrier Part of the blood Through two's company Three's a crowd But four's a fiesta The more yeast you put in the bread, the more the bread will leaven. We hope you enjoyed our latest podcast episode. A big thank you to Douglas for that insight into the creative process behind making new musicals. Tickets for 101 Dalmatians are now on sale via openairtheatre.com. Performances run from 12th of July to 28th of August 2022. 
Also, don't forget to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play or SoundCloud. And if you're enjoying our content, do let us know on social media via at Open Air Theatre on Twitter, at Regents Park 080 on Instagram or Regents Park Open Air Theatre on Facebook. See you next time. <laughs>